Hello, everyone. I'm very excited to announce that this is my very first episode of the Elephant in the Womb podcast. If you're not familiar with my blog, Elephant in the Womb, um, I started it this year while I was on maternity leave. As a first-time mom, I know how much anxiety you can have during pregnancy and in the postpartum period, and even as you venture through parenting, how many questions you have and how many worries cross your mind. On the blog, I provide curated, evidence-based health information on these topics to ease the minds of and provide support for new parents. This podcast series I'm about to begin is focused on different birth experiences and perspectives. I'll be having a few women on each week to speak about their unique birth experience in detail and answer some questions. My hope with this series is to provide lived experience details to moms, first time or not, about labor, birth, and how vastly different each experience can be. At the end of the series, I'm hoping to have a few experts on to discuss the more medical aspects of labor and birth as well um, in order to answer some questions that people may have. Before we begin, and I have two amazing ladies on today who are as excited as I am to talk about their experiences, I'll let you know that the information in my blog and in this podcast are for informational purposes only. This information is not a substitute for medical advice or medical treatment. As always, your primary care provider, a doctor, or another health professional is your best resource for specific questions and medical advice. If you believe you or a loved one are experiencing a medical emergency, please contact 911. Today I have on with me Jess and Rebecca, and they're going to be talking about their unmedicated birth experiences. They both did unmedicated birth, and they both use midwives, but their experiences are very different from each other, so I'm really interested to hear um, about both of their situations. So uh, Jess, if you want to just maybe say a little bit about yourself and then just talk briefly about kind of your overall birth experience. Yes, hello. So I'm a mom of one. So this is my first and only birth. I'm married and yeah, my son Landon, he is 14 months right now. And he's really cute. He's adorable. (laughs) His favorite thing right now is to say wow all the time. It's super cute. That is adorable. Yeah. I can't wait till Maggie starts saying like things like that. <laughs> oh my goodness. It just warms your heart every time. It doesn't get old. Of course not. <laughs> so uh, just tell me like briefly like an overview of kind of what from begin like a like again overview of what went on in your birth uh, from beginning to end kind of thing. So birth, the plan was unmedicated right from the beginning. I had read a whole bunch and listened to a whole bunch of podcasts, and I was feeling very empowered. So I went into it thinking, I can do this, and talking to my own mother, who has had three children, she's like, you got this. Your body's made for this. Go for it. Listen to your body. So I did, and I went right up until I was nine centimeters, no medication, You go, girl. Yeah. (laughs) It was a very fast labor, so I attribute that to it as well. I feel as though if I was those women who went, you know, 24 hours, 48 hours long labors, I think my story would be very different. And Rebecca. 
Uh, well, I'm Rebecca, and I'm from Ohio in the States. Um, my daughter is seven months old, <laughs> and she's quite sassy. And she's quite and cute, too. Quite cute, and she knows it. <laughs> so this is also my first baby. When I have another one, I will have birth the same way, as long as everything goes according to plan. Of course. So... My birth was also very quick. Um, I actually had her three weeks early, so I went at 37 plus 2, and my experience was amazing. <laughs> um, the reason I had an unmedicated birth was because I have severe scoliosis, <laughs> and I was told that I could not have an epidural, and it would cause like really long-lasting effects. And so my friend who's local to me was like, have you considered having a water birth? And I was like, no, but I'm really interested in learning about it. And so that changed the game for me. And it is the best decision I ever made. That is amazing. When I read your, um, kind of the submission you gave me at the beginning, I put you guys together because you had some things in common, despite like the so many things you don't have in common, I guess. Uh, with your experience so it's really interesting that you both had really quick labors because I cannot relate to that I mean mine wasn't extremely long but it felt long <laughs> and yeah so just listening to you guys talk briefly about it I'm like wow mine felt really long and I had to get an epidural so it was a little different I'm curious to hear about first how your midwife experiences were because this isn't it's I know it's like really different in Canada than it is in the U.S. with midwives just like in terms of the regulation so I'm curious how your experience was overall Rebecca because uh, I know it just works a little bit differently than it does here. So in this or at least the midwives that I saw technically work in a practice in the hospital. Okay. So I gave birth in a birthing center but the birthing center was in the hospital. Okay. So, so it's not quite, an independent location then? Technically, no. Okay. Um, the team that works in the birthing center is completely separate from the hospital, but they're housed in the hospital. Right. So quite interesting and not conventional. But my experience with the midwives were really good. I had an OB that works with them mm -hmm. and that I met him and like he did my ultrasounds and stuff but the um, through my care the midwives kind of just let me be in control of like the pace of my care so all the testing like the glucose test and then the um, Tdap shot and the flu shot were all my decision so they were there to tell me the pros and cons of getting them and they completely let me decide what I wanted to do and would you say that was probably the best part of your experience, that you had so much choice? Yes, and that's why I was so drawn to going with midwives, because as a younger mom, I'm only 23, so I have had experiences in healthcare where I felt really talked down to, and I felt really bullied into making decisions. And so by far the best part of going with the midwives was feeling like I was had the autonomy to make the decisions that were best for me. Yeah, and I think that's really important to most uh, moms, especially if 
Well, I mean, I think any mom really, but especially a first time mom and especially when you're young and you feel like you might get taken advantage of more, I guess. Definitely. Um, and did you have any negative experiences with them or would you say everything was pretty, pretty good overall? Everything was pretty good. Um, my most negative experiences about my pregnancy care was not with my midwives. It was with the hospital staff. So, but yeah, overall the experience with my actual midwives were beyond anything I could have asked for. That's amazing. And did you find that your expectations were met? Uh, like the ones that you had before you went into labor, like did you kind of meet all your goals per se? I tried really hard not to have expectations as far as the like pre-birth experience. I was focused more on making sure that my birth plan went according to plan than I was focused on like the actual care that I got before. Yeah, and I think that's really important. Um, maybe going into the situation not having necessarily expectations, but just, like, wishes for how it's going to go. And Jess, now, I also, like, I know we both use midwives in Ontario, so our experience is a little bit different. And I've talked to you about this personally before, but how is your experience overall with the midwives? I loved it. And the reason I loved it so much is that it was so personal. And just like Rebecca mentioned, they gave you choice with zero judgment. They were very neutral in how they presented your options and gave you information to back it up. And then it was a choice between myself and a conversation with my husband. And Mm -hmm. we went from there. It was awesome. It sounds like you guys had like a pretty similar experience then, even though we're in different countries. And uh, what was the best part of using midwives for you? For me, I think there were two. I think the mental health check-ins at all my appointments were really helpful. And the reason for that is because I was sick my entire pregnancy. And it was taking a toll on my mental health and the fact that no one else in the medical community was supporting me. And they made me feel heard. And Mm -hmm. they told me this isn't the norm and we will support you. So that was huge. Yeah. That's and then also deal. the 24 seven paging system. Yes. Really <laughs> helped. I think I used it about six times throughout my entire pregnancy. That's actually a lot. Like I felt, I think I only used it once really actually, but yeah, the, I felt like I was bothering them. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I felt even when my water was like potentially breaking. Like, <laughs> Um, but it was nice to know that the option was there if you needed it. Always. I had their card in my wallet. I made sure everyone I spent time with knew that it was in there just in case. And I called them, you know, you know, a couple times (laughs) and they never treated me like I was a bother. So that was really nice. That is really nice. And did you have any negative experiences or it was all pretty much positive? It was pretty positive. I had to not fight, but I had to kind of fight for my right about being so sick. Some midwives are, you know, more supportive than others. Some are a little more old school saying, you got this, you're fine. (laughs) And because I was so sick, I was losing weight my entire first trimester. And one of them said, oh, well, you have extra weight, you're fine. 
that's not you know? cool. So just the one comment being like, okay, yeah, I know. I'm 180 pounds. I'm not a tiny woman. But I'm like, okay, but losing 15 pounds seems like a lot. And they said, no, you're fine. You're already heavy. <laughs> okay. That's not a professional uh, way to speak to a patient, that's for sure. (laughs) Not really. (laughs) And then in terms of expectations, did you find that, like, I know that we were just talking about, like, trying not to go in with a ton, but did you find, like, the ones that you maybe had were met? My expectations, I wanted them to do the same as an OB would in terms of care. I wanted the same amount of ultrasounds. I wanted the same amount of tests. And they met all that. That's a good point, actually. I think a lot of people think that if you see midwives, like, for your primary care um, during pregnancy, that it's, like, less care in some ways. But I actually found I had equal um, amounts of care with people who were seeing OBs, if not more at some times, because, like, the appointment time was a slot like it is with an OB but they would always go over the time if I needed it which I really liked so that was kind of like talking about your pre-labor situation which was mostly like appointments um that kind of thing the specialist that you saw um Jess did you see I, I do remember you mentioning in your blurb that you did see another specialist during your care other than the midwives. Did you want to talk briefly about that experience? Yes. So I actually saw my family doctor a couple of times mm-hmm. because I had HG and I needed to be off of work. So she refused. And to get around her, I actually went to a walk-in to renew Ooh. my paperwork throughout <laughs> my pregnancy because she said nope it's normal and so other than that um I actually had surgery when I was 23 weeks pregnant oh my god so I was transferred to an OBGYN because it was actually gynecological surgery not having to do with my pregnancy at all so what it was is that I had a um I had a cyst that I had had pre-pregnancy And your pregnancy hormones make things grow because you're growing a human. Yes. (laughs) So it just made it so much more bigger, uncomfortable. And my midwives, when they did the first pelvic exam, said, hey, we're going to refer you to an OB that we love just so that if you do need surgery, we get it done during your second trimester because that is Mm -hmm. the golden window of surgery time. I got referred to her, saw her in a week, and then two weeks later, I had surgery. That's all so fast. It was very fast. And that made me concerned that there was something really, really wrong. Of course. When really the OB said, it's just because we want to make sure that this is done before you go into your third trimester. And that makes sense. Really, I was fortunate to, when I went into surgery, my midwife was in the hospital because she had just, you know, caught a baby. And she said, hey, I wanted to come and check in on you. And I was like, yay, come into surgery with me. And she asked permission and the OB said, yeah, come and observe. So she came in, held my hand while I got the epidural. She was, you know, listening to baby the whole time and making sure that my water didn't break. She had to test fluid partway through surgery to make sure that it wasn't fluid. Oh, yeah. And then afterwards, she was there in recovery with me listening to baby. It was amazing. 
that's so nice so she wasn't like was it not planned that she was supposed to be there then it was just by chance or it was just by chance she said hey what day and time i'll come by and visit that is so nice oh that's amazing and then she was there the whole time i had a really really horrible experience getting the epidural i was sobbing they had to redo the freezing so I needed four times the amount of normal freezing oh my god and she was holding me you know bent over as I was sobbing in her arms and I'm like I think this is a precursor to what birth is going to be like with you (laughs) and it is similar to that at some point (laughs) and she was the one who you know caught my son so I think that was a really great bonding experience that her and I had And I just loved her and trusted her more um, when, you know, I had my own birth. Yeah, that's so nice. That's that's really special. That's really cool. It really was. I I found, too, that I bonded. Like, I loved my whole midwife team. But obviously, you end up, by chance, seeing kind of, like, one more than the other ones for Mm -hmm. some reason. So I did end up, like, bonding really well with the one that caught my baby and everything and uh, it's it's nice like it's such a nice relationship to have and it's so personal and it's weird because like you don't know them for that long but I guess you do get to know them a little bit better than you do like an OB for example oh for sure and, and I saw this yeah. OB only a couple of times before surgery and I hardly knew her and I was talking to her throughout the surgery because I was drugged up and awake and I was like hey who are you <laughs> Yes, like, and that's what I worried about when I was choosing a provider, uh, like, and I have no judgment, obviously, like, if I needed an OB, I would see an OB, but I love the idea of the relationship you get with a midwife, and your story really highlights uh, the fact that you can have, like, a really personal relationship with who delivers your baby, which is so special. It really is. So what about your experiences with labor? Both talked about where you gave birth. And it seems to have gone pretty much according to plan for both of you. But how did your labor start? I always like these these stories. So, uh, Rebecca, if you want to talk a little bit about yours. Okay, so in order to have my water birth, I had to make it to 37 weeks. And so it was so funny because at 37 weeks, I was joking with my entire family, okay, I can have Piper whenever. <laughs> it's go time. And I did not plan on going early. I did nothing to to do anything but I ended up bleeding I had some bleeding and it wasn't a lot and I wasn't too worried about it and I was 37 plus 2 and so I called my midwives and I was like hey I'm just having some bleeding I'm sure it's fine but can we just check it out and I was supposed to have an appointment two days later and so I go into the appointment she's like oh yeah you're fine do you want me to check you and I decided to decline my membrane sweeps and all of that And so she's like, okay, well, you look pretty fine. Like, it's normal bleeding. Just keep an eye out. And you're having some mild contractions, but you're good to go. I'm like, okay, that's cool. And so my husband and I were so sure. And this was on, like, a Tuesday. And so we were so sure that we were going to have a baby by the weekend. (laughs) We just felt it. We're like, you know what? We really feel like we're going to have Piper early. And so two days later... At exactly 37 weeks in two days, I was contracting all through the night. But I really didn't believe I was having contractions. I was like, it's going to get worse. Like, it's going to get much worse. I'm not too worried about it. So at 5.30 in the morning, um, January 9th, my water broke. 
And I look at my husband, and I'm like, hey, don't freak out, but my water just broke. <laughs> and so, um, we called the birthing center so they could have a room ready and all that. I, my water broke at 5.30, and I had Piper at 11.22. So by the time I got to the birthing center and I went to triage, I was already at 6 centimeters. That's amazing. So, <laughs> it was incredibly fast, and I really didn't believe I was going into labor. <laughs> And I would not have believed it. And Until it happens, right? Until, until it you know. happened. My water broke. And I'm like, well, I guess it's real. <laughs> but we had planned on, like, installing the car seat that weekend. Oh, my God. So I went into labor on Thursday. And so we went to the hospital with no car seat or anything. And I'm like, well. <laughs> I guess that's why people do it so far in advance sometimes. <laughs> it's not a bad idea. <laughs> now, <laughs> You mentioned your husband. You're like, don't panic. I feel like you you can't say that to the husband. Like, even if they're externally, like, they seem okay, internally they're panicking regardless. When I was having my bleeding, I told him, I was like, hey, this is completely normal. And he was panicking, and that was two days before. So when I told him my water broke, he was like, okay, we should probably go. And I'm like, no, go ahead and take a shower, like, get ready. Yeah, like, you have like, time. <laughs> you have time, like, I need to pack, like, I had nothing ready at all. Yeah, if I had gone into labor at 37 weeks, I wouldn't have been ready either. <laughs> I was not ready. And Jess, how did your labor kind of start up? Is it as exciting? <laughs> So I gave birth at 40 plus two. So not as early. <laughs> not as early. And I was very prepared and ready for this child to come. <laughs> yeah. When you go overdue, you're, you're prepared. <laughs> oh my goodness. So I had had two sweeps done. So the first one was 39 plus something. I can't remember. But the second one was 40 plus one. And I'd gone in and said, I think that, you know, I'm a little bit in labor. I think I'm having contractions. And they're like, no, you're not. <laughs> Your body's just getting ready. And I was like, super. So I'd had my sweep done at noon. And by 10 p.m., I started going into labor. So it was just contractions. I was at my sister's house. We were having a campfire, eating hot dogs, and I was in denial. I just kept going to the back bathroom thinking I had to poop. And everyone's like, no, you're in labor. You need to go home. And I'm like, no, I'm fine. And then I'm laying down. I'm like, okay, maybe. Aww. So my husband started timing contractions, and he was panicked driving home. It was a 25-minute drive home. Yeah, I, I feel like I would be panicked, too. He was freaking out while I'm just sitting there trying to eat a hot dog on the way home. <laughs> because all I remember is my midwife's telling me, when you're in labor, try to eat because it may be the last time that you're yes. able to eat for a long time. So I'm trying to eat this hot dog in between contractions, and I finally give up because chewing while contracting is not fun. <laughs> so... We get home and it's around 11 o'clock at night and that's when we call our midwives saying, hey, this is how strong and far apart. And they said that it wasn't strong enough yet for her to come. So I said, okay. And then an hour later, she's like, yep, okay, I need to come. She arrived uh, about an hour later and I was already like four centimeters at that point. And we left for the hospital at 3.30 in the morning and I was six centimeters. Nice. And 
so at three, we arrive at the hospital just before four in the morning, and he was born at nine nineteen that morning. That's not bad wow. at all. It was not bad. So from you know first contraction to hello baby was about eleven hours. Yeah, uh-huh. that's that seems so fast to me. <laughs> it seems very fast because I remember reading note thinking that first baby it's about 24 hours yeah like you and you do or you do the prenatal classes and they kind of tell you like you know you're gonna be laboring at home for all this time and then you go to the hospital and it just seemed so slow Mm -hmm. for me and I'm sure you guys like have heard mine or maybe I don't know if you listened to my my birth uh video but it was 15 hours for me um, my water broke. Uh, I was 40 plus five. I had my, I was like, I had my house packed up. I was so ready. Like we were moving. Cause like, why not? You know, like might as well just pack everything up when you have an extra like five days waiting. And I was getting a massage because I was extremely sore by then. And I had got them my whole pregnancy. And I went to a new place because I didn't want to drive to the one I usually went to, which is near my work. So I, went and I got this lovely one hour massage and she you know she said okay I'm done like you can sit up and get dressed when I close the door and I sat up and I was like uh I think that was my water or I just peed my pants like really badly I wasn't wearing pants so I peed my underwear I guess so that is how mine broke but then I didn't go into labor so it's it's fun it's fun it's fun to hear other people's stories about actually having contractions because Mine were all induced contractions. Um, the few in- contractions I did have actually started, like I got induced the following day at 8 p.m. My contractions that started on their own started at about 6.30. So it, I probably didn't have to get induced, but I was already there and had an IV in, so we just kind of went forward with it. But uh, it's such a different experience when... Like, even between the two of you, but also just, like, when you're getting induced, the contractions and the progress is so much different. It's so different, and I didn't get to have my water breaking during labor. My water broke 45 minutes before he was born. And that's pretty common. Um, Like, mine was just a leak, so it wasn't, like, fully broken. They always told you, like, oh, it's this big gush. Yeah. And that's not what happened to me, so I was like, what what is happening? So, Mm -hmm. when I called my midwives I felt like a total like idiot because I was like well if I just peed my pants this is just awkward but then it was it was water leaking like I went and I had the test done and that's what it was but it was not what they described at all and then my water didn't fully break until I was like probably five or six centimeters dilated and very in labor so uh, it's just, yeah, it's interesting how people can have it break at the beginning it, and then not go into labor, have it break and have very quick labor, or there's so many different uh, scenarios that can happen. That's so and crazy I had no to me idea. because I felt mine. Mine felt like a water balloon. Like, I didn't feel the gush, like the liquid, but it felt like something popped in my tummy. And, and I've heard that before. I've heard the popping noise, like people actually hear it pop. Yeah, I heard mine, and it was so That's weird. so cool. Yeah, like, I didn't, I did that didn't happen to me. It was just like, oh, what was that? <laughs> did you both just have your husbands at your birth? Yeah. 
Yeah, and same with you, Rebecca. I actually had my mom. So my mom lives two and a half hours away. And so my water broke, and she was getting ready for work. And I was like, Mom, I really don't think I'm in labor. And she's like, you need to keep talking to me, because she can gauge by how I was talking how much pain I was in. And so she talked to me for like 10 minutes, and I was having contractions. And she's like, Rebecca, you're in labor. Like, I'm, I'm going to call off of work. Because, like, it was her plan to be here. And I was like, okay, like, I'm going to be, I'm going to feel really bad. Like, if this is a false alarm, she's like, it's not. She sped here. So she got there, like, 30 minutes before I had Piper. Like, oh, if wow. she would have came oh, any wow. faster, like, she wouldn't have made it. <laughs> oh, my God. Moms are amazing. How do they know these things? I guess so. we're moms now, so it's, it's like, <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> it's such a strange thing, but yeah, that's crazy. Um, like, I had my, just my husband with me, so he was with me, like, for the whole experience, which was really, really nice, good support system. I think that's really important in labor, just to have someone that's, like, really supportive of you and able to help with everything that you need because you can't really do anything yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're kind of no. busy, right? Exactly. <laughs> the other thing I wanted to talk about was pain management. And since you guys had unmedicated births, your pain management story is definitely, like, different than a lot of people's and interesting because there's so many different coping methods out there so I'm curious first now you you both talked about contractions and the timing of them but and Jess actually you kind of did touch on what your contractions felt like having to go to the bathroom and I've heard that from other mothers before um but Rebecca what did your contractions feel like because I I think everyone's are kind of different as I progressed, I definitely felt like I had to poop as well. Okay, so, like, I hate, this is probably TMI, but, but, like, the week before I went into labor, I was so constipated. Like, I went to my midwife appointment, and I was in so much pain. Those cramps hurt worse than my contractions. <laughs> so, I'm not sure what's up with my body, but I also had a really difficult pregnancy. Just, like, I had SPD. Yeah. So, uh... By the end of my pregnancy, like, the pain that should have, like, overcame my body, I was like, we're almost done. I can do this. So, I don't really even remember exactly how my contractions felt. I just remember thinking, I'm almost done. I can do this. Thank God. I hated pregnancy, so I was just ready to be done. (laughs) More than focusing on (laughs) how much it sucked. (laughs) Yeah, you guys had different experiences than me. (laughs) Do you want to just touch on what SPD is for people who don't know? Yes, so I'm not going to try to say the word. <laughs> Symphysis pubis. So it's basically the muscles in your pelvis relax at the end of pregnancy. And it's the hormones relax them so your, your hips can open better to give birth easier. But my body decided that my hips needed to soften earlier. So I was like, diagnosed with it in my second trimester. So wow. I was unable to get out of bed. I was unable to get out of the car. I was unable to put pants on without deliberating pain every day of my pregnancy. 
And that's horrible. I've heard it can get so bad that people actually need, like, crutches or, like, wheelchair assistance, like, in some situations. So it's very debilitating. Um, But so is HG, right, Jess? Oh, my goodness. I don't know. I think I would choose vomiting over a horrible amount of pain. Rebecca, I am so sorry you went through that. It was not good. It took a toll on my mental health. I felt like a failure as a person, like... I couldn't even do laundry or dishes. And I remember one time I went to a midwife appointment. I had one of the older ones and I only saw her once. And she was asking me about my pain. And she's like, why are you complaining? It's an excuse not to do your chores. Oh. And it made me so mad. I left that appointment like crying. Some people need a filter (laughs) with the things they say. Were you able to take anything for the pain? Like, for that, for SPD? Um, I saw a chiropractor, which I guess I should have mentioned way earlier. <laughs> but I chose to uh, stay away from medication. There's just a lot of unknowns for me. For sure. A lot of medication um, obviously can't, well, most medication can't be tested in pregnant women for obvious ethical reasons. Um, so everything that is prescribed like it's very hard to gauge what is safe and what isn't that's why there's such a limited amount even like for anything for like allergies colds if you had a mm-hmm. cold during pregnancy that is like probably one of the worst things like for it me terrible. it was like I didn't have SPD <laughs> or HD but when I had a cold I was like dying because you can't take anything um, so there's very limit limited options and I imagine for pain management it's probably similar and mm-hmm. I'd always look at the options that were non-medicinal first and try them anyway. Um, so did you find the chiropractor was helpful? Um, yes and no. I think if I have SPD again, I'm going to go more towards the physical therapy route. Yeah. Rather than the chiropractor. I don't know if I just didn't vibe well with my chiropractor. <laughs> she told me I could do swimming and stuff. So... <laughs> We could have gone to the Y, but my Y pool was only open at, like, 5 a.m., and that just wasn't happening for me. That's not happening so, when you're pregnant. <laughs> I definitely, I definitely, definitely think that if I could do something different, I would have gone to physical therapy to start out with, because yeah. I really don't think the chiropractor did much, except make me cry a lot. So. Oh, no. <laughs> so, in labor, then, so you guys kind of both had your own, like, medical not necessarily pain with hg but i mean it's like mental pain to be vomiting all the time and like it is physical pain because of your stomach so it is and <laughs> it hurts yeah i tried everything i could i was on three different uh prescriptions at you know at different times i tried out different ones didn't work um i did ginger i did like homeopathic things i saw a naturopath I did pressure release on your wrist and all that thing did anything for me. So I said, you know what? I'm just not going to try anymore. I couldn't even take my prenatal because I was vomiting it every day. So I I had a lot of guilt um, because the majority of my pregnancy, I couldn't even take a prenatal. And I'm like, well, what, you know, what if something happens? And there's that mom guilt, you know, before you're even a mom, yeah, you know, you're trying to do your best, but your body's just rejecting it. And you're like, mm-hmm. you're completely out of control. Yeah. Yes. And I guess in that way, you guys kind of had similar experiences where you felt bad for something that is out of your control and that you shouldn't have to feel bad for at all. 
some of us just get that kind of pregnancy, unfortunately. Exactly. And my work was really kind. They understood. But, you know, my family doctor didn't. And my midwives don't have the authority to write me off of work. Yes. That is a challenging issue, I guess, in some situations, especially for people who don't have a family doctor, which is actually really common. Mm -hmm. Um, They basically just seek care for maternity care, and then they have no one to follow up with afterwards or before or during when you need, like, a prescription for something uh, non-maternity related, which is really challenging. Yeah. So during labor, in terms of pain management, I... What were your kind of coping methods? What worked the best for you? And were there anything that, was there anything you tried that didn't didn't work, didn't help at all? You would not recommend doing. Uh, Jess, if you want to talk about your experience first. So I labored at home for a good five hours, and instinctively, I just went onto my hands and knees. So that was. Mm the most comfortable position for me in early labor. And I remember leaning against my bed and being on my knees and asking my husband to uh, do counter pressure on my back hips. Yes. And we were taught that in our, you know, baby class and you don't really know how to do it until the moment. And you're like, you have to push harder (laughs) Because really, if you're just kind of pushing it, there's nothing. But my midwife's like, no, this is how you do it. Because she was there and she was able to demonstrate and Mm -hmm. kind of support my husband in supporting me. And that was my favorite in early labor. And because my midwife had me going up and down the stairs in my house (laughs) to help move baby down, I was able to stay on my hands and knees, get into that position, be super comfortable, and my husband kind of follow behind me and do the hip thing when I wanted. So that was my favorite at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And then when we got to the hospital, I got into the labor tub, and I lived in it until I was nine centimeters. (laughs) So... Water was hands down my favorite thing. So you could get into any position you wanted. You can just lay there. I actually fell asleep. So I slept in the labor tub at the hospital. Then when I was about nine centimeters, they're like, okay, time to get out. You're going to have to start pushing soon. So you got to get out of the tub unless you want to have a water birth. But this is not an approved tub for that. So <laughs> you need so we to don't out. recommend. No. <laughs> Um, but honestly, those were the top two was the counter pressure and floating in water. Good to know. I also liked the counter pressure a lot. Like I had a lot of back labor early on and I found it was like the most helpful. But you're right. You have to be really forceful with it. Like it's yeah. not what I would normally like. It's a little bit too much if I were just like a regular if it was just a regular day not laboring yeah exactly but uh I like loved it and the midwife was so good at it and then she showed Cody as well um and he did a good job too so it was just it's actually like a challenging thing to learn how to do Mm -hmm. and so when people are good at it they're really good at it (laughs) I can't wait to learn how to do it because I never did that Oh, oh my yeah. goodness. So Highly recommend. 10 out of 10. Yeah, it, I think it's helpful for most laboring women, like from the experience I've heard. Um, so that's definitely a technique you want to have in your arsenal as a future doula. 
I'm so excited. (laughs) Especially with back labor, because that's all I had the entire time, because my water wouldn't break, and my baby was so high up. So they said that was the only thing that would help relieve pain. And then, did you try anything else that you you didn't find was helpful, or? Bouncing on a ball didn't help. Mm -hmm. Um, We had my yoga ball in my bedroom, and I was just so uncomfortable. Um, It just made my back pain worse and even at the hospital they had a peanut in between my knees to help me dilate more and it was the worst thing ever (laughs) I kicked it across the room (laughs) so (laughs) other than those two no I just I hummed and I vocalized a lot during labor and I kept my eyes closed so if anyone were to ask me who was in the room at what point I wouldn't know because my eyes were closed 98% of the time but I think that and helps with focus, right? It really. And my mom gave me really good advice was don't think about the, you know, the end goal, of course, baby. But don't think about the next contract- contraction. Being in the moment really helped me. Just get through this one. Just get through this one. I was able to last as long as I did without medication. And Rebecca, the uh- anything different that you really liked like you were in water which Jess said was one of her favorites so I'm assuming that that really helped with your labor oh yeah so I actually like started in water because I was ready to get in I was like okay let's just get in this tub and I'm not getting out until (laughs) I have this kid um in my birthing suite I had a queen size bed nice so about halfway through my labor I wasn't, my cervix would not finish thinning out. And they're like, okay, like, we need to get you out, and then we can get you back in. But your cervix needs to finish thinning, and we're, we're having trouble getting getting it to a point to get you to go in the, like, to, to finish this out. And so she actually had me do lunges from the bathroom to the bed. She's like, just do full-on lunges. And so I did, and then my husband and my mom took turns, like, in the bed, like snuggling me as I did like bicycle kicks. Oh my goodness. You're like getting like, a full the... workout. <laughs> I really was. And they're like, okay. And like at this point I was so frustrated because even though my labor was so fast, I'm like, I want it to go faster. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was getting so frustrated and they're like, it's okay. You can be pissed off. You can be upset, but you made it through this contraction and you're going to make it through the next one. And so, honestly, it was such a mental thing. Like, they told me, like, your body can do hard things. You can do hard things. You are doing hard things. And so, we did the bicycle kicks as I was laying in bed. And then, like, once my cervix finished doing its thing, I got to get back in the tub, which was awesome, which made it all better. Wow, that's But I also diffused lavender. Okay. And listen to music, too. So I was kind of really extra. I had the whole thing. (laughs) (laughs) But that's all, like, distraction, right? Like, focusing your mind, relaxing you, like, with the lavender and distracting you with the music. So all those things are mental, and that really helps. And then Jess touched touched on something, too, about how when you go into labor, you want to (laughs) scream. And I don't know if, like, your midwives told you not to scream it's keep your moans low yes mine Mm -hmm. did tell me that repeatedly and it was very helpful because you're putting too much energy in if you're making very loud noises whereas if you like keep it low and controlled it it really does help with the like coping through the contraction and yeah I found that's something I never thought about before and it's funny because like Jess you mentioned like 
you just kind of started doing it, right? Like, it just happens. It was just natural. It was, like, a humming that I was doing. Me too, yeah. And I, I remember, like, back in the day when I was in nursing school, like, I remember doing my OB rotation and hearing women in the hall, like, when I was in the hallways and being like, why are they so loud? <laughs> <laughs> And, and it didn't make sense to me, and it really almost doesn't make sense unless you, like, really study, uh, like, in that field, like, you're a midwife or whatever, and, or you're a woman who is giving birth, and then it just starts happening, and it feels better. So it's, like, a mm-hmm. natural coping method that we just do. Yeah. Which is cra- yeah. crazy. Like, the body is so interesting. And anything you tried, Rebecca, that didn't work at all? No, I don't think so. We really only switched between the bicycles and then the water Mm -hmm. because I was progressing so quickly. Yeah, I guess you didn't really need to try anything else. So I really didn't need anything else. And then, Jess, you talked a little bit about the positions early on and when you kind of got there and that you didn't like the peanut ball. (laughs) Was What position did you uh, deliver in? Um, I was on my back Mm -hmm. and I was in the hospital bed. And I had the student midwife and my husband holding my legs. Yeah. So Similar I didn't to know. Me. I didn't know that my husband was holding my leg until like days later. I was like, who is the other person? And he's like, me? Is that because your eyes were closed? <laughs> my eyes were closed. And I thought that he was just holding my hand. No. I didn't know that he was also holding my leg. So his hands were full. <laughs> and but... did you find like the typical like back delivery like it worked well for you? It was okay for me because we were having issues with baby dropping. Mm. So after my water broke, we actually had to bring in nurses to push him down. Oh, okay. And I feel like I had to be on my back for that. Yeah, but... probably. I, I don't know for sure. It's something, though, that I'll make a note of to ask in a later episode when I have the OBGYN and... Uh, other people on I would be so curious because I think that if I were to just deliver if I was in my bedroom and was just delivering I think I would have delivered on my hands and knees yeah and that's always what I thought would be the most comfortable because similar to you I spent a lot of time before I got my epidural um on hands and knees or at least leaning over something like leaning over the bed or leaning over like uh, they have those like hospital trays on wheels. Mm-hmm. Uh, we lock that, and I use that a lot too. Um, and that was really com- like naturally comfortable for me. So I I agree. But I also gave birth on my back, and it honestly like people said it was like really bad. I guess for them to do that, but I I didn't think it was that bad. Like it worked for my situation as well. And you had an epidural, so would yes. you have not been able to? I couldn't. After I got the epidural, I obviously had to do back mm-hmm. labor, which was a decision I had to... It was a big part of my decision, basically, at that point. But I was in so much pain that it was like, I'll just labor on my back. I don't care. Just put the epidural in. Like, give me the drugs. <laughs> exactly. And I think that next time, I think that knowing my experience, if I don't have those you know, hurdles of, you know, my water not breaking and him being so high. I think I would prefer to be on my hands and knees. Mm-hmm. But, I, you know, every birth is so different, so we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, and you yeah, can't control the situation. 
I did hands and knees in the tub and my knees hurt so bad. Like I could not do hands and knees. It was just irritating me. In the tub though, the surface would be hard on your knees, I would think, right? We put a towel actually on the bottom of the tub, like under my knee. Like we tried everything Yeah. to get it to work because they're like, it might be better for you. We can probably get her down faster. Uh, Like your cervix would thin out faster if you can do your hands and knees and I couldn't do it. Which is why I had to get out of the tub. And what position did you end up uh, delivering in? So I guess technically I was on my back, but I had my, like, my tub was shaped like a square. Like, it looked like a hot tub. And so I actually had my feet on, like, the walls. Like, I looked like a frog. Yeah, that makes sense. So, like, technically I guess I was, like, sitting. Yeah, probably sitting would be the, On my lower back. Yeah. Yeah. And did you find that worked well for you? Oh, it worked great. It was so easy. Like, I could exert my energy so much easier that way Mm -hmm. for me, personally. I think in terms of pain... Now, Jess, I know you did uh, laughing gas, or sorry, nitrous oxide, I guess is the technical term. (laughs) Um, You used that during labor. How did you find that as, like... Um pain management tool or was it just more of like a distraction tool so when they were getting me out of the tub and I was stuck at nine centimeters and my water won't break I said okay can we have the conversation I'm reaching my breaking point and as you know they're drying me off and putting me back in the hospital gown I'm looking at my midwife being like can we have the conversation about an epidural and she's like, yes, we can. What do you want to know? I'm like, is it too late? She said, it's never too late, but <laughs> this is the information. One, all of your labor is in your back because your water won't break, so it will not relieve that. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, then there's no point. <laughs> like, instantly she said that, and I said, okay, no, never mind. <laughs> and we hadn't even made it across the hall back to my room, and I said, okay, we're not doing that. And I said, okay, can we set up the laughing gas? I need something to get to 10 centimeters because I'm so uncomfortable. And she said, yes, we have it ready for you because it was in my birth plan that that was something I was open to. And I said, wonderful. They got me into bed. They gave me the gas. And then I started vomiting instantly. (laughs) Oh, no. So not surprised because my entire you know, last eight months I was vomiting. Yeah, it kind of makes sense, I guess. (laughs) Exactly. And so I vomited seven times. So it was everything in my body that I had consumed. They said, well, good thing is, is that was equivalent to seven pushes. And that's really cool. But it makes a lot of sense. Like the mechanism behind vomiting is very similar to the mechanism behind pushing. For sure. And then after that, I was done with the gas. I don't think I used the gas for more than 15 minutes. And I think it was a good distraction. It made me feel, you know, a little drunk, like a little tipsy. <laughs> yeah. And it was just getting my mind off of going from 9 to 10 centimeters and getting into pushing. It was such a short period of time that going back in time, I could have gone without it. But I guess it ended up kind of like retrospectively being helpful as well. Well, exactly. And the vomiting. And they said it could have been from the gas. It could have just been from labor. We don't know where the vomiting came from. But my husband hates vomit. And so he actually left the room. 
Oh. And so he left because it was buckets upon buckets. It was disgusting. And then the midwives are like, okay, Stephen, it's safe for you to come back. <laughs> and it's time to push. But she's already pushed a bunch of times, so, like, this is going to be fast. Yeah, I wanted to use the gas during my labor, but uh, when I got there, and I probably wouldn't have ended up using an epidural, I think, if I had had it, but they didn't have any. They were like, oh, this, like, the hospital is out of it or something, like, in the labor and delivery ward. Like, I don't remember because I was probably, like, semi-delirious. But she's like, yeah, I can't find, like, where they usually store it. I was like, what? (laughs) So that got ruined for me. But I probably would have vomited as well because I have a sensitivity to it that I've had, like, for since childhood. And I vomit when I get it. So I guess maybe next time if they do have it, I'll be like, yeah, I'll have it because then I'll vomit and it'll be faster. Just get all your pushing out of the way by throwing up. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Makes my life easier, right? (laughs) So speaking of pushing for both of you, um, how long was your pushing for? Like you talked about the length of your entire labor. How long did you push for Rebecca? An hour. That's quick. And Jess? 40 minutes. Woo, you win. That's quicker. <laughs> it was me, the vomiting that got it. <laughs> seriously. For me, it was two hours. So you guys oh. you guys beat me. <laughs> Kyle said, my, my child came out sideways. And so Kyle told me he could see her ear. And I was like, what? You can see her ear? Okay, let's go. And I was so determined. I was like, all right, let's do this. <laughs> hard work did you find that it was like a small workout because I was like tired <laughs> that was the hardest part for me I, I was it. tired too but that's because it was super early in the morning yes and I was getting too. hungry <laughs> it was almost lunchtime and I'm like all right I'm ready to eat <laughs> I thought it was the least painful part I know I'm crazy no me too Same. I totally me too. it was like when you were engaged and when you were pushing, it was relief of pain because yes. it was a totally different sensation. And you can feel when you're doing a good push because I tell you like, no, like you got to get deeper. And you're like, yeah. <laughs> and then you do That's that exactly really good it. push that they love. And you're just like, oh, this actually feels so nice. Yeah. Like and you- you're like waiting for their feedback as you're doing yeah. it. <laughs> so was like, that a no, good one? Deeper. <laughs> No, that was the best part. Yeah. Yeah. And Um, then my son wasn't born head and then next contraction body. He was born all at once. Oh, my goodness. Because his hand was beside his head. Oh, okay. So it all came out at once. Yeah. All came out at one time. So they, like, really had to catch him. (laughs) He really flew out. I always laugh when people say that, but really they can fly out pretty quickly so yeah it's not, it's not <laughs> a joke. slippery yes they are so slippery I was scared when they because like I pulled Maggie out after like during my last push and they were like just reach down and grab her and I was like whoa like, what is this like, <laughs> right slippery See, football they, they told me to grab Piper and I was like I'm not touching her <laughs> well I was hesitant because it wasn't something I had wanted like necessarily but in the moment I was like sure if that means that this is done <laughs> He asked me if I wanted to touch his head, and I said no. Yeah, I didn't want to touch the head, but I did end up doing it, too. I guess I'm just easily, like, (laughs) peer pressured into doing things. (laughs) Yeah, but it was was cool, but uh, it was definitely, like, a weird, weird feeling. Yeah. Um, And in terms of 
like any complications or tearing or anything did I know that you had tear you had torn Jess is that right yes because he didn't do the break yes um he decided to break me open (laughs) (laughs) um and even my midwife said like you probably wouldn't have torn like we had him under control it's just that he decided to you know do that and so I had a second degree tear and a couple of um like internal tears yeah like lacerations yeah they had to stitch me up in a couple places which honestly being stitched up it wasn't painful they did a little bit of freezing but you were so high on hormones that all I was focused on was there is a child in my arms I don't care (laughs) <laughs> that you are stitching me so up. true so and true. they'd taken him away while I was being stitched up because they're like we don't want you to like flinch or something that's when he, they were like weighing him and stuff yes that was similar to my situation like they stitched me up and that was when they were kind of like doing the weight and everything else mm-hmm. um but I had the epidural so it's in I'm that's good to hear that it also didn't bother you even without an epidural to get the stitches afterwards no um, and there was a lot of conversations because it was a student midwife doing it so yes. it was actually a teaching moment, and I consented to that. Yes. And I was like, yeah, go for it. You do you. <laughs> like, do you guys I'm remember, here. like, pushing out the placenta? Yes, I yes. actually do. That scared me more than actually pushing out the kid, because I had really? to go back to the bed, and it was so terrifying uh, for me. I got no, to look at mine. I chose not to. I'm like, I don't want to look at it. I regret oh that. God. I would definitely look at it. We my looked... student midwife gave me a tour of mine. and she actually called it that she's like would you like a tour and I said yes Stephen left the room that's when he was calling family he said he didn't want to see it that was convenient (laughs) so he's like nope I'm gonna go call and let everyone know and yeah the student midwife like showed it to me and I'm like this is amazing (laughs) I thought it was really weird to push it out because it felt like nothing like they were like push but I was like push what like it wasn't like the baby where it was like okay I can feel her moving like through the birth canal it was like oh it came out really like (laughs) it felt like a blob yeah honestly it did (laughs) I also looked at mine and Cody was unfortunately for him there (laughs) and I think he was like oh (laughs) yeah scarred for life (laughs) yeah but it's honestly not that bad it's interesting it's like an organ right yeah it's just a little bloody but it was not uh, disturbing. and But, like, I've also been around human cadavers, so I guess it's different when you work in the medical field. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's not. It's honestly not that bad. It's cool to see that that's what baby was inside. Like, it puts it in perspective, I guess. Rebecca, anything after you or, like, your birth was pretty smooth? Did you, I, like, in water do you tear? Like, that sounds like such a strange question, but no. I feel like it would facilitate you not tearing. Yeah, actually, they recommend, like, if you can do a water birth, you probably will not tear. Just because the buoyancy helps and, like, just the, your body is in water, so your baby is going from liquid to liquid. So I did not tear, but Piper came out sideways. Right. So I guess I had, like, a slight laceration, but it wasn't nothing bad. Anything crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's so cool that it, it helps with that. It does make a lot of sense. The science behind it is really cool. Like, yeah. There's a lot of scientifics behind the water birth. That yeah, somebody really cool. actually asked on Twitter, and this is probably a good opportunity to ask it, um, did they ever talk to you about, like, infection risk because you're in water? Like, people were curious, or this person specifically, I guess, but I, 
I also want to know, like, is there a risk for infection because you're, like, in water where you're laboring in, or? Not really. I know, no, I don't think that the risk of infection was ever talked about with me. So it must not be, like, a very big concern then. No, as long as you're, like, they, I know that if your water gets too gross, like, they'll switch out your water. Which makes sense, yeah. But that's about it, like, nothing. I'll have to put a tab on that one to ask, uh, the midwife in a later interview, because I'm hoping to have a midwife on as well, um, because I'm curious, like, uh, we didn't talk about a water birth with mine, or, like, because we weren't doing a home birth, and there was a labor tub, but we didn't end up using it because of my epidural, but uh, I just wondered if that was actually, it makes, like, it's a very legitimate question. Yeah, water births are still seen as pretty taboo in, like, hospital settings. Yes. And I think it's very interesting that people are allowed to labor in water, but they're typically not allowed to deliver in water. Yeah. And I don't understand why. Like, I'm very curious as, like, the why behind that, because water births are very safe. They're actually better on the body than not water births. So yeah. I'm curious about why, like, the medical community is so weird about water births. It's definitely something I'm going to ask and look into more because I was planning on doing a blog post on water births in the future, um, kind of doing a little bit more research on it. Um, mm-hmm. But it seems like in birth centers, I know they'll do them more often. So it's maybe something that will come more into, like, acceptance. But I... I don't know what the evidence is like for or against them. Okay, ladies, it's been really like awesome to hear about both of your experiences. Um, before we close up, I do want to know if you have anything like I didn't ask you that you feel like you'd want people to know about your experience. Rebecca, specifically for you, where did you get, like, more information about water birth? Like, you obviously did a lot of research before you decided on that pathway. So if you want to talk, like, a little bit about that and then maybe anything else you want people to know if they're planning on going that route. Yeah, sure. So, like, my experience is really non-conventional because technically I wasn't a birthing center, but I was in a hospital. So I guess, like, it is very difficult for someone to probably have a situation similar to mine because I was kind of in the middle of both, like, worlds of medical and natural. (laughs) But research that I would say is ask a lot of questions. Um, Definitely go with midwives who are open to knowing your needs and your body. Um, I don't know if my body can handle a hospital birth. I really don't. If I had another pregnancy like I had this time, I would be terrified to give birth. And I've told Kyle that if we plan on having another one, I need to have the same care that I had to ensure another really, really successful birth. Definitely join groups. Like I joined a lot of Facebook groups and a lot of natural birthing and a lot of positive affirmations. I learned a lot about just surrounding yourself with people who support your decision. And that's important. A lot of people out who are like, oh, you're going to get an epidural. Oh, like, why would you do a water birth? That's so weird. That's disgusting. And those were just people that I could not have in my life. And so I was pretty dramatic and I cut everyone out who didn't support my decision. And now I'm really passionate about educating people on how cool it is to have a water birth. And that's so cool. It's so cool how, like, your experience, and it's similar for me. Like, the reason I started this blog, the reason I started this podcast is because... I spent so much time learning things for my birth, even though it didn't go exactly as I hoped for. 
but I want other people to have access to that information and kind of the things that I got access to or that I wish I had access to. And that's why I chose to become a doula too. Like it was, I was never passionate about birth. Like I never would have thought I was going to be the type of person to have a birth plan or have a natural birth. Like that was never who I thought I would be. Yeah, right? So the fact that I'm passionate about birth and all of that now is... It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's weird, but it's, it's weird. amazing. <laughs> so my goal is just educate and just let women know that they have options and that I will help them research like in their area, like what are your options and how can you go about having the birth that you want? Yeah, and that's so important. Like it makes such a difference for people to have someone like that involved in their whole like prenatal and uh, like perinatal experience. And Jess, anything like we didn't touch on in terms of anything about birth? <laughs> um, I don't think so, but I I agree with Rebecca in that having like being an advocate for yourself is so important because I felt the whole time during my pregnancy I was defending my choice of going with midwives mm-hmm. to friends and family and even my colleagues. Yeah, me too. And it was I felt like I needed to have all this information to be able to spit out facts saying, well, actually, well, actually, now knowing my body, knowing, you know, what birth is really like, because, you know, reading about it and experiencing it is very different. Um, Very. I would... I think my ideal situation would have been in a birthing center, and we just don't have those here. And I think that breaks my heart is that birthing centers are, again, seen as really taboo. Yeah, and I agree. Like, I think they should be more available because I, like, and I have this dream, like, of a multidisciplinary, like, clinic that follows you through your pregnancy and your birth and postpartum, and they would all work out of, like, essentially a birthing center situation because Mm -hmm. then you could get all your care in one place. And there could be all types of specialists. They could still make it so that if you, like, you'd be close enough or, like, working out of a hospital. So if there was an emergency, you have access to that care. But, like, it would be so cool to have more of those, like, options available for people. Because I think more people would go for it if they knew more about it and it was more familiar. Exactly. And the fact that I had to get out of the labor tub, get dressed, and walk down the hall to my room is insane to me. I wish it was all in the same room. Yes. Yeah, you just said that and that shocked me. I was yes. like, I can't imagine having to like leave my room. Like <laughs> yeah, the rooms that I, had, I gave birth in. And I had to, even when we arrived, my midwife said, well, they're cleaning the tub right now from another woman, so you have to wait. Yes, which is ridiculous. Like, and but I understand, like, it's obviously out of like our care provider's control. Um, but it's something that needs to change. It really does. Having one labor tub on the entire delivery floor is ridiculous. Yeah, depending on the day, there's so many women laboring, and who knows how many would have really benefited from being able to use it, and can't because it's being occupied. And you know, some people only have a window of time. Exactly. So I think that if I were to do this again, and knowing what I know now, I would have loved the opportunity to have a water birth. But other than, you know, blowing up a pool in my own bedroom, we don't have any options here. Yeah. And that's not what I want. Yeah. So it's really unfortunate. I think that now being more of an advocate, and I can 
ask the questions that I want to ask, I can have a more open dialogue with my midwives the next time around. And, you know, I want a doula now that I know exactly what they do. And... Because you don't know what they do. Like, no. really, <laughs> I didn't really know what they did until recently, until I showed an interest in actually, like, becoming one. Because I was same, like, wow, this is such Kate. a cool role. Um, but nobody talks about them or the people who do it's all negative it's similar to like the midwife view where people are like oh you're seeing a midwife are you sure Mm -hmm. and why are you so much better than everyone yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) exactly and then also in Canada midwives are covered by our health insurance and I think that that's a big reason why you know a lot of people in Canada are choosing midwives because it's not a financial decision for us and a lot of people though don't know that they're covered I find still like that's I've had I had people in my pregnancy be like oh are you paying for them out of pocket and I was like no like you guys didn't know that they're covered by OHIP like and it makes such a difference like that they are for so many people because the problem sometimes with a doula is that people can't afford them and like a big part of my thesis research for my master's is on social support and Mm -hmm. uh like we were like my thesis supervisor and I were talking about how important the role of a doula is because they provide like a social support aspect that no one else really provides but it's limiting where we are and I don't know if they cost money I assume they cost money in the states too um yes yeah that they're expensive yeah right so that that kind of takes it off the table for some people who don't have extra money to spend on that um so it'd be cool to have the option to like to have it covered or to have like a lower cost for people who need it or something like that right I will say that on the doula thing I think doulas as a whole need to change how they view their patients Um, I know that I want to break the stereotype that they have to be expensive or that people who are in lower income areas can't have that support. Yes. But that's another conversation. That's another conversation, but I'd love to have it. (laughs) Well, so I'm actually very passionate about that. (laughs) Well, I'll remember that when I want to touch on it in the future, because I definitely want to go there. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Elephant in the Womb podcast. Please check us out at www.elephantinthewomb.ca and subscribe to our email list for podcast and blog updates. Katie out. Bam.